Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. As of this recording date, the hurricane called Ian is really hitting Florida very, very hard. And I see on the news the devastation. There's word that there could be several hundred lives lost, if not more. And of course, around the world, there's war, there's pain, there's suffering. And I tell you, I'm sure you feel just like I do, that we want to know there's a bigger purpose for it all, that this life isn't all there is with the suffering that can happen. And so each and every episode, I want to make sure we put a smile on your face, hopefully, and let you know that there is a bigger picture, that our loved ones are surrounding us in that unseen space, that this life on earth is really the hardest part of our journey. Many people ask me if I believe in hell, and I say no because I think hell is right here, right now. And there can be lots of joy as well. And I think you and I both know that it is out of our toughest times that we have an opportunity to go on a spiritual growth adventure and look for ourselves. What's the meaning to my life? What's it all about? What's it going to be that I do that's going to make it all worth it? So even if you don't answer the questions for yourself, It's always a good thing to do to start with putting your eyes on someone else and being of service. And that's why I'm here, because this is my act of service. It really is. I can't get great information myself and then not want to share it. I mean, that's just part of Sandra. You give me toys, you give me candy, and if you're next to me, I share. That's just what I do. If you'd like to make a donation to the people impacted, the best way is through the American Red Cross. So just go to redcross.org. And I also welcome you to stay tuned to the end of the episode because there are some very powerful words from the spirit world about how we can make a difference through the transmediumship of Scott Milligan. 
If you've been keeping track of these past episodes, you'll know that my former boyfriend passed away last month, tragically hitting a phone pole, which they believe was from a heart attack. And I have been finding different ways of getting signs. And it's been an interesting journey. I did ask my dear friend, Sonia Rinaldi, who captures pictures and voices from people in the afterlife, if she needed to do an extra experiment, could she invite my friend Michael to come? I do have pictures from Sonia of Michael from the afterlife. And I want to make sure you can see them. If you go to wedontdie.com, click on radio shows, and just scroll down, you'll see pictures of dad and Michael. Sonia Rinaldi used one picture of Michael and put vapor in front of it, steam, and then filmed the steam. She's been at this for 30 years, this communication between the veils. And what you see in these images are Michael, not the face that he shows in the photograph, but different faces. Some even look three-dimensional. I've also included a link if you want to check out the documentary film that we made with Sonia. And then also we did a special presentation with her a few months after the movie was released to see what her latest experiments are. And there's all kinds of great links that you can click on beneath that. So I want you to see I also want you to see the picture of my dad. Now, my dad died when he was 74 years old of cancer, looking as bad as one could look, hooked up to the tubes, very skinny, old and frail. Loved ones, us too, when we go over there, we get to pick our best age and our best health to live eternity. My dad has chosen being in his mid to late 20s, what he looked like when he was in the Air Force. So I've got a picture of my dad, how he looked in the Air Force, and how he looks through the lens of Sonia's camera. And so you know, Sonia did not have a picture of my dad to use. And as for Michael, yes, she had the one picture of him, but I don't have any pictures of Michael posted on any of my social media So there's no way she would have known how to find him and use other photos if she were to invent them. It's common for our skeptical nature to believe that someone could manipulate photos and be a con artist. And I get that. But when you get someone who's never asked a penny for their work, who works seven days a week on capturing these photographs and the audios If you were to see some of her e-magazines, they're called, which document all of her work, she puts a lot of time and effort in these. And when you see the pictures, you'll realize that this would not be something easy for someone to manipulate. And what would be the point in doing it anyways? Be one thing if she was charging money, but she doesn't. So again, go to wedontdie.com, click on radio shows. And just at the very top, you'll see the link to see the pictures. And why it says radio shows is because before I was asked to do Shades of the Afterlife, I have and currently still do 
a show called We Don't Die Radio. We're getting close to 400 episodes of that. We've just gone over 100 shows of Shades of the Afterlife. And I think you can tell that this is my act of service. And I'm grateful to be the messenger is to share everything I know about the afterlife, to give you hope that your life is for a purpose, even as tough as times get. I think our soul yearns for new experiences and growth. And whatever it is we go through, we have the opportunity to learn and also make a difference for someone else. I also want to mention that you've heard me say that I'm trying to record electronic voice phenomena with Michael. That is trying to capture his voice on a tape recorder. And last I left you, I couldn't find my tape recorder. I looked high and low, and this week I found the recorder. And unfortunately, it is completely dead. I don't know if you have regrets in your life regarding those in the afterlife, but I can tell you I have the regret of the day my grandmother died. I was traveling and I got that message in my mind to call Grammy, say hello. And I said, I'll call her tomorrow. Tomorrow never came because she passed away that day. Also, just before my dad passed, his very best friend for years and years called me and he said, could you hold the phone to your dad's ear? I want to tell my best friend that I love him and to have a safe journey. So I held this phone to my dad's ear and dad's friend said whatever he said and I hung up the phone. It wasn't till about an hour later that I realized that I held that phone to my dad's deaf ear. He couldn't hear out of his right ear, only his left. So I had that regret of not holding it to the correct ear. And adding to the list will be finding this tape recorder. Because, my friend, I had a pretty lengthy conversation with my dad, recorded and saved on that tape recorder. It's the only place I have my dad's voice still around. And while it's possible that I might be able to send the tape recorder off to someone to be able to retrieve what's on it, the feeling of guilt (laughs) running through me is pretty high. So what would Sandra, host of Shades of the Afterlife, say? She would say that on all those different instances, I did the best I could. I did what I knew to do. If I had known better, I would have held the phone to my dad's good ear. If I had known Grammy was going to die later that day, I would have made sure I called her. And if I had known that that tape recorder was going to die, I would have made sure I transferred everything onto a computer. My friend, it is no use feeling guilty about something that happened in the past because each one of us made the best decision we knew then. So I offer you that as just a little thought to not be so hard on yourself. In truth, I'm going to try to get this recorder fixed. And I also ordered a new tape recorder, a digital one, to work on getting the voice of Michael through electronic voice phenomena. So I will keep you posted. And now that I have the website I can direct you to, my hope is to get some EVPs and be able to put them there so you can actually listen. 
So I will use that website for more things because this is not a video show, nor can it be, but I can direct you back to the wedontdie.com website. On this show today, I want to share with you some stories. We all like stories, don't we? I also want to dispel some common myths that are out there that might have you a little bit worried about the afterlife. And also, I got a great email from a listener about what is it going to take to change the conversation on planet Earth so that everybody believes in the afterlife. And at the very end, some very comforting words from a friend in the afterlife. Before the break, one last thing. Our listener, Christine, sent me an email with a picture of a man in a coma with a white dog snuggled up to his face. And the news article said, 70-year-old Francis Romero was in a coma in the hospital. His dog was allowed to stay with him and did not leave him day or night. After a month, Francis woke up from the coma with these words, Where is the white angel who constantly whispered to me that everything would be all right? I know Francis's dog could communicate to him while he was in coma, and I also know that even though I held that phone to my dad's deaf ear, he definitely got the message from his best friend. Yes, we are divine souls. Let's go to the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash shades. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. 
It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. And if you've talked to skeptics, they may say, oh, there's no proof of near-death experiences being real. It's just a normal part of the brain shutting down. Now, I know skeptics say that because I used to be one of them. But the good news is there has been science at a fairly recent medical study has come out proving that near-death experiences are not hallucinations. There are plenty of scientists that have had near-death experiences. There are doctors that have had near-death experiences, many of which we've talked to on this show, and there will be more. Today, I want you to hear a clip from Dr. Bruce Grayson, who is one of the leading people these days talking about near-death experiences as a physician. He is a professor and doctor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences. He is the author of some books, one called After. A Doctor Explores What Near-Death Experiences Reveal About Life and Beyond, and The Handbook of Near-Death Experiences. And of course, he's written many journals, lots of articles, given tons of media interviews, and he is open about being a believer in near-death experiences. So I want to play for you this clip of how he first got interested in near-death experiences. Uh, I was raised in a scientific household, a very materialistic household. My father was a chemist whose world was defined by the periodic table of the elements. And we just never talked about anything spiritual in our, in our household. It's not that we were opposed to spiritual things. It just never occurred to us to bring them up. You know, the physical world was all we knew. And as far as we could tell, when you died, that was the end. And that was fine with me. That's just the way things were. So I went through college and medical school with that materialistic mindset and then started to become a psychiatrist with the idea of trying to figure out how the brain creates our thoughts and our feelings and moderates those things. And then in the first few weeks of my psychiatric training, I was asked to evaluate a patient in the emergency room who had overdosed. Now, I was in the cafeteria eating dinner when the page came off and it, it buzzed on my, on my belt and I was startled and dropped my fork and actually splashed some spaghetti sauce on my tie. 
I quickly tried to wipe it off unsuccessfully. So I decided to just put on a lab coat, a white lab coat, and cover up, uh, button it up so you wouldn't see the stain. I was a green intern. I didn't want people to think I, wasn't unpro I was unprofessional. So I went down to the emergency room to see this patient, and she was totally unconscious. I could not arouse her no matter what I did. So I, I heard that her roommate, who had brought her into the emergency room, was waiting to see me um, in a room down the hall. So I went down the hall, talked to the roommate, got background information about what was going on in the patient's life, what the stressors were, what she might have taken, and so forth. It was a very hot uh, evening in, in late Virginia summer. There was no air conditioning in those days. So I unbuttoned my lab coat so I wouldn't sweat so much and unknowingly then exposed the stain on my tie for a few minutes. When I finished talking to her in about 15 minutes, I got up to let her go, saw the stain and quickly buttoned my coat up again and said goodbye to her, sent her home and then went back to see the patient. She was still unconscious. So she was admitted to the intensive care unit overnight because she had irregular heartbeats. And I arranged to come see her in the morning after she awoke. But when I came the next day, uh, she was very groggy, could barely open her eyes. I started by introducing myself and she said, I know who you are. I remember you from last night. Well, that kind of stunned me because I was pretty sure she couldn't see me. So I, I said, I'm surprised at that. I thought you were unconscious when I talked to you last night. And then she looked me in the eye for the first time and said, not in my room. I saw you talking to my roommate. Well, that just blew me away. I couldn't imagine how that could be. She could only have known about that if she had followed me down the hall, you know, left her body and followed me down the hall. And that clearly was impossible. You, as far as I could tell, I was my body. How can you leave it? She sensed my confusion and then started to tell me about the conversation I had with her roommate. When I asked her what the roommate said, where we were sitting, what we were wearing. And finally, she told me about seeing the spaghetti stain on my tie. I, I just couldn't make any sense of that. However, I couldn't deal with my confusion. I was there to help her. So I kind of stuffed my feelings aside and tried to get back to her and talk with her about her suicidal thoughts and what stresses there were and so forth. As I processed this over so the next few days, I just couldn't make any sense of it at all. And I tried to tell myself that somebody was playing a trick on me, either the patient and the nursing staff, they included somehow. I just couldn't imagine how it could be. But I tried to stuff it out of my mind. I just couldn't make any I didn't dare tell anyone else about it. I'm sure they would think I, would, I was crazy or gullible, so I just didn't talk about it. And it was several years later, in 1975, that Raymond Moody published a book called Life After Life, in which he gave us the term near-death experience and described what these near-death experiences or NDEs were like. And as it happened, around the same time, he started his training at the University of Virginia under my supervision. So I read his book and talked to them about that and realized for the first time that this incident my patient had told me about years earlier was not just one isolated event, but part of a worldwide phenomenon that millions of people were talking about. I still couldn't understand it. And yet, as a scientist, I couldn't just turn my back on it and say, these things aren't happening. They clearly were. So I thought it was my responsibility to study them, try to understand them. At the time, I thought there must be some simple brain mechanism for this. And that was my intent when I started studying them. And now here I am 50 years later, still trying to understand them. Shortly after Moody wrote his book, he was contacted by several other people who wanted to study NDEs. 
And he gathered them all together at the University of Virginia, where we were. And out of that group, we formed an organization that eventually became the International Association for Near-Death Studies, or IONS. Uh, and this was a group mostly at, at first to support the near-death experiences who were isolated in different places trying to study this phenomenon. And later it became more and more a group to support the near-death experiences themselves who were having trouble getting back to a quote, normal life after the NDE. I eventually moved to the University of Connecticut where Ken Ring was studying near-death experiences. I ended up editing the Journal of Near-Death Studies for 27 years. We started many support groups for near-death experiences around the country. And we eventually started having annual conferences of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And gradually, over the next decades, I come to appreciate more and more how common these NDEs are and how important they are, not only for the experiences themselves, but for our understanding of what it is to be human. I've got one more clip to share with you by Dr. Bruce Grayson. But isn't it interesting that Raymond Moody, who coined the phrase near-death experience, actually started working underneath Dr. Grayson at the University of Virginia. I tell you what, there is intelligence around each one of us that are trying to influence us on the right direction of our lives if we just slow down and pay attention. Okay, let's listen. Most near-death experiences around the world talk about an increased sense of spirituality after a near-death experience, by which they mean roughly a sense of connectedness to other people, to nature, to the universe, to the divine. One of the questions that people often ask about near-death experience is whether they provide proof that we survive death. They don't provide proof for other people. They certainly provide proof for the experiencer, but not for the rest of us. But there are some experiences that do provide something that's at least evidence, if not proof. And those are cases in which the experiencer encounters a deceased individual who was not known at the time to have died. One person that I know, Jack, was hospitalized in his mid-20s, and he had one nurse who worked with him every day. And one day she told him that she was going to be taking the long weekend off and there'd be other nurses substituting for her. And while she was gone, he had another respiratory arrest where he had to be resuscitated. And during that arrest, he had a near-death experience in which he found himself in a beautiful pastoral scene. And there to his surprise was this nurse, Anita, walking towards him. And she said, Jack, you can't stay here with me. You need to go back into your body. And I want you to find my parents and tell them that I love them and I'm sorry I wrecked the red MGB. He then woke up back in his body in his hospital bed. Tried to tell this to the first nurse who walked into his room. She got very upset and left the room in a hurry. It turned out that this nurse of his, Anita, had taken the weekend off to celebrate her birthday and her parents had surprised her with the gift of a red MGB for her 21st birthday. She got very excited, jumped in the car, took off for a drive, lost control, crashed into a telephone pole, and died just a few hours before Jack's near-death experience. Now, there's no way he could have known or expected that she was going to be dead, and certainly no way he could have known how she died, and yet he did. And that seems to be evidence that something about this nurse, Anita, still persisted after her death and was able to communicate accurate information to Jack. Does that mean we live forever? Not necessarily. It certainly means something about our minds can survive death of the body, at least for a time. 
virtually every near-death experiencer that I've talked to has said without any doubt in their minds that we do continue after death. No matter how they describe their NDE, they describe having existed without their physical bodies, when their physical bodies were essentially dead, and yet they were feeling better than ever. There's got to be more to the world than just the physical realm to explain these events. I think the ultimate question raised by near-death experiences is, what are we as human beings? Are we just physical machines? Are we spiritual beings? Are we some amalgam of both? I don't know the answers, but now I'm much more comfortable with not having the answers. I think the important part of near-death experiences is what they tell us about this life we're in now, that we're all interconnected that we aren't individual people, but we're part of something greater. If you don't think the medical community knows about the afterlife and is researching it, think again. Look up Dr. Bruce Grayson, Dr. Raymond Moody, Dr. Karen Wyatt, Dr. Leo Gallen, Dr. Alan Huguenot, Dr. Ian Rubenstein, Dr. Mark Pitstick, Dr. Ann Clark, Dr. Penny Sartori. And you know, there are many many, many more. We're going to go on to our next break, and we're going to dispel some myths and things you may be worried about the afterlife. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and I want to talk about some subjects that, oh, some people may get really agitated and aggravated and not agree with me here, but I feel like I need to share with you my thoughts. I was having a conversation a few days ago, and this woman was very passionate that she can charge a good sum of money to help people remove negative entities from them. That's one. I talked to someone else and she, as a medium, is charging people a lot of money to help their loved ones become unstuck, move into the afterlife. Oh, and did that tick me off? It really did. I'm no expert on all things afterlife, but I've been at this for Now over 25 years, I have. And I want to share with you my thoughts, my beliefs from some experiences I've had and from some trusted, incredible people. First of all, mediumship dates way back, probably from the beginning of time, people were seeing their loved ones. But actual mediums that you see that are demonstrating and that are giving readings, all of that can be traced back to early days when that form of mediumship came about. It was at a time where physical mediumship was starting to die out because so many con artists came cheating people out of their money, trying to tell people that their loved ones were around. After the major wars, you can understand that there is a lot of death. If you Go back in time, you may have heard of the Arthur Finley College in Stansted, England, where a lot of mediums get their start. A lot of the mediums that date back through the 1700s, the 1800s, you can follow their lineage through this Arthur Finley College up to present day. I have studied at the Arthur Finley College and studied with some of these great mediums, and they will agree with me on some of the things that I have to say. Now, we are living in 2022, and human beings love to watch reality shows. And if you're to look at the news, a lot of people pay attention to the negative. Why are there very few good news networks? Because they don't sell. More eyes want to look at the negative. 
And I'm not saying that some of these things don't exist, but in my experience, I've never dealt with them. I want you to listen to this through the lens of empowerment. If you want to believe in these things and they empower you to have a good life, go for it. The first thing I want to talk about is these evil spirits and negative entities that can attach themselves to you. No. Being here on earth is the hardest place to be. We all know that there's negative people out there. We all live in the brain that has quite a bit of negativity, not always seeing the glass half full. This is the hardest place to be. There are not entities that attach themselves to you or your loved ones. Our belief system is so strong. And I've done a lot of research on the placebo effect. And if you tell someone or have a credible authority tell someone that, say, a negative entity is no longer with you, as in an exorcism, and all of a sudden that negative behavior stops, oh, it could be the entity is gone. If you are someone worried about negative entities attaching themselves to you, let it go. If you are someone who feels that you must surround yourself with protection before talking to your loved one, if it works for you, great. However, I don't think it's necessary. Substitute some gratitude, some of the things you'd like to see, and guess what will show up in your path? The good things. Now that moves along to earthbound spirits. These are people that are stuck, that have not gone to the light. Could you imagine telling a parent that there's a possibility that their deceased child is stuck? How horrible is that? And how horrible is it that there are people profiting and charging people to help their loved one move on? Criminal, I say. We are either here or we're over there. Here, there. Eyes open, eyes closed. Here, there, nowhere else. There's no purgatory, no getting stuck. I do think there are people that spend a lot of time from the afterlife visiting with us, and that's their prerogative to do so. That helps us feel better. There is nothing that you need to do to assure that yourself or a loved one moves into the light. The moment they leave our earth, they are surrounded by loving arms and loving people who will make sure they are perfectly well in the afterlife, welcoming them home. There's a misconception that there are different places in the afterlife that you can go, meaning that if I pass, I might not be able to see my loved one because they're in a different place. Nope. We all go to a very comfortable place that is quite familiar to us because it looks like our life here on earth. I always joke that there's no bugs there, (laughs) no mosquitoes, but it's a land of familiarity. It's a land that we know we can spend as much time as we want there. And from sources that I've spoken to, they say there are levels that we can go to, but we always maintain that connection to communicate with those still on earth. Reincarnation is a hot topic. And while it may be true, there are many people that feel that 
people who claim to be reincarnated are just very highly mediumistic. So they're actually bringing through the memories of someone who has lived. Now, interesting fact, there are people that claim they're the reincarnated version of someone, yet mediums have still been able to contact that person who is deceased. So is it possible to be in two places at once? All food for thought. Reincarnation does point to evidence of the afterlife, but please don't be afraid that if your loved one goes to the afterlife, that they're going to be reincarnated and you will never see them again because they're already back here. That's not how it works. Rest assured, you will see your loved one when you pass into the afterlife. I want to play another clip for you. Just a wonderful story that I heard on the television. I think one of the voices will sound familiar, but I do know you'll enjoy the story. Let's listen. Yes. What happened to you? Well, um, I got up on my birthday on July 17th, and I wasn't feeling very well. I was kind of feeling under the weather. And I took some medicine, and I found out I was deathly allergic to it, and I didn't know it at the time. I paged my husband, and from there on, I just started going in and out. I started to black out. The next thing I clearly remember was being in the hospital. I knew I was there, I could hear things, but I wasn't really conscious. And then the next thing after that, I remember was seeing myself on the uh, emergency table and they were working on me, trying to revive me. And I, I keep trying to have one of those experiences without having an accident or anything. So I keep trying to, I mean, I said, let me leave the body, let me leave the body. But, so I wanna know when you leave, are you con- you're conscious that you've left? Yes, you know, but you don't understand why. You're kind of in limbo. So who's on the table then? You're down there, but your conscious mind is up above looking down going, why am I down there and up here at the same time? Oh, really? You can't figure out, where are you? What are you doing? When I'm right here, but I can see myself down there, it doesn't make sense. I must be dead. I, at the time, did not know. I couldn't understand because I didn't remember what had happened to me. Uh I couldn't remember anything. Okay. And then I started hearing conversations. I went to look for my husband because that would be the first person I would look for. And I saw him talking to the doctor about me. And I started to listen in. What are they talking about? And they were saying, um, we're doing everything we can for her, but we don't know. And of course, my husband got upset. And uh, I saw, what, I have four children. I saw what my children were doing. What were they doing? They were kind of running around like four children would do. <laughs> and um, the doctor just said, we're doing everything we can. And he turned around and left. And I watched to see what my husband was doing. And uh, he was kind of upset. And he was talking to the kids. And I followed the doctor back into the emergency room. And they kept saying, I don't know you know, what to do with her. And you know, I don't know what the problem is. And they had gave, gave me an epi, um, what's called an epi shot, if you're That's allergic to like uh, bee stings and things like mm-hmm. that. And they were trying to bring me out of it. And uh, I, I guess it didn't work right away. And it took some time to bring me out. Now, when did you see your grandmother? After I saw the doctor talking to my husband, um, I kind of drifted off for a while. And I, I guess I closed my eyes. And all of a sudden, the next thing I remember was standing there. And I saw this long hall and this bright white light and lots of clouds. And then all of a sudden, I saw my grandmother. And I freaked because I knew she had passed away 13 years ago. And then I really panicked. I thought, I must be dead. How else would I see her? And I remember... You saw her, saw her body in human form? I saw her standing right in front of me, Mm -hmm. clear as a bell. And uh, she looked wonderful. And I said to her... That's good, because I often wonder on the other side, 
with all the spirits, with everybody being the same and all the spirits and souls being the same, it'd be hard to recognize people. Oh, it, it was very clear. I knew very who she clear. was. She came right up to me and she said, uh, Cindy, you, you shouldn't be here. You, you go back and take care of your family. It's not your time. I kept saying, Grandma, why am I here? And she said, there's been an accident, but uh, it'll be explained to you in time. Just, just wait, but take care of your family. She kept trying to tell me to go back. So I turned around and I went back, but I couldn't figure out until I came out of this, I sat and thought about it. Then I realized what had happened. What had happened? Well, basically, I was just in limbo that I had made the decision, I feel consciously, not to stay there. If I would maybe put up a fuss, maybe I wouldn't have come back. But and I so wanted to raise you came family. back being more psychic? I don't know if you would call it psychic. Some what do you say? She just has an uncanny ability now to know what's going to happen. Sometimes a few hours ahead of time, sometimes months in advance. And usually things that involve the family. Like, like she said, she was sent back to take care of her family. And now she knows, like, like recently I was transferred with my job. She knew about it long before I did. Or she knows things that are going to happen, whether it's work, church, the kids, or whatever. She knows about it ahead of time. She doesn't always tell us. She may not tell us till afterwards. Sometimes she tells us ahead of time. But she seems to know things more clearly and understand things clearly than before. What is it going to take? that we all live in a world that we know the reality of the afterlife. What changes have to take place? So communicating with our loved one is just as easy as picking up the phone. Good question. We'll have that and support through some tough times when we come back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. I received a very thought-provoking email from listener Sean, who was asking, what does it really take to have this world and everybody in it believe in the reality of the afterlife? And can we imagine the benefits if we all realized we were souls having a human experience and our life is for a bigger purpose? He feels crime rates would drastically go down. There would be way less war. People would actually find inner peace and be able to create that in their environment. Death wouldn't have to be terrifying to people. Grief wouldn't last so long. As we all know, when someone dies, the pain is the worst thing we can imagine. But could you imagine that we could just be in touch with that loved one across the veil? And also, you think about someone who may be diagnosed with a terminal illness and given a few months to live. Well, would they live out their final days being afraid of the afterlife? No, they're going to cross over and all of their loved ones will be there and there'll be help for when they make that final passage. Years ago, when the airplane was invented, it actually took six years for mankind to not laugh and believe in this invention. And now look, a hundred plus years later, and it's just a normal part of life. There's a book called The Tipping Point by author Malcolm Gladwell, and he says there are three types of people needed to change a conversation in the world. There are connectors, there are mavens, and there are salesmen. And connectors are people that have that just a special gift of knowing a lot of people. They are lively, people trust them, and they're great at introducing people to each other. Mavens are people that really do the research. They gather all of this information and present it in a credible way. And salesmen are the persuaders. They are the people that are able to take something that maybe people are skeptical about and convince them that it really is this way. Malcolm Gladwell says all three of them need to be at play, and obviously lots of them, for that tipping point to occur that more people believe than don't believe, 
and they can carry on their lives with this information being real. Personally, I think it's important for us each to have an experience of something psychic or mediumistic in nature to know the reality of it. There are people like Sonia Rinaldi who are capturing images and voices of the afterlife. I want more people to know what she's up to so that they can start experimenting. And the more people that can witness these pictures and voices, they'll believe. Ultimately, it starts from us talking. Most people on planet Earth actually do believe in the afterlife, but they're too afraid to open their mouth, thinking that people will think they're crazy. So will you take the challenge and share just by you sharing, regardless of whether you're a maven connector or a salesman, will make a difference to mankind. Next, every Friday, we get an opportunity to witness transmediumship and sit for healing through the wonderful longtime medium of Scott Milligan. What you're about to hear is a gentleman named Eric that has been working with Scott for over 25 years. You can always join us on a Friday and ask a question yourself. This is the question I asked, and I think it really pertains to what's going on in the world right now. There is a lot of devastation going on in the world. In the United States, we have a terrible hurricane that many people have lost their homes. There's been injuries. They've lost their income. I know various areas of the world, there's a lot of suffering. And while we may be able to donate financially to help, what can we do from our homes to make a difference for our brothers and sisters here on Earth that are suffering? If one could only understand how powerful thoughts can be as thoughts promote change. What you have seen from the embers of this devastation is it ignited a passion within you to make your commitment, no matter who they are, that your love and support is there for them. You have skills that can write stories that others would enjoy. You have skills to use modern technology to reach the four corners of the world and say, even though you may not feel my hands, that I am here for you. In olden times, my friends, before coins seemed to rule your world, it was a terrible distraction that a slice of bread can mean the world to someone, but they see the enjoyment from the master's hand that need the dough that turned it into bread. What one can do from their state of residence is to think and make commitment that if I can support, I will. But instead of reaching across your world, is it not wiser to reach to your neighbor first? The person that lives close to you may be also going through trauma and torment. You may be the first person they have seen or the first conversation that they've shared within weeks. For you to address those who are closest to you first from the devastation it has inspired you to start conversation and offer. If your table overflows, then fix a platter that you can give 
to someone who has lesser. If one is to go further upon this, that our world already said to all of you that the time of change is upon you, you will feel the thrusts of it. Financial systems will crumble. Rivers will swell or dry. Your world is rapidly changing because it has inherited mistakes from others. But from this, my friends, you all can make a commitment that you can change your ways and ride the crest of change instead of drown within the ocean of denial. So many people in your world denied the change, and now you have seen it. Even those who were not born have inherited it. So good thoughts create the ripples of change. Negative thoughts throw the stones that block the stream. For if we were to call it the beast, the beast thrives on negativity. Feed it kindness. Feed it so it becomes kind. So, my friends, your modern technology brings to you what is happening. But this is happening all round your world. For if you cannot stand next to your brother, or your sister. Send good thoughts to them, and of course, if the table overflows, whatever you can and whatever you wish. But also remember that outside the four walls of your residence, there is a neighbor who may not have the gentle understanding what you possess to start a conversation with them and change will be there. So, my friend, I say this to you. Our world is already responding. Your prayers are giving us strength to have a deeper hold in your world, to bring or highlight or influence. For someone who is passionate to wear the uniform, to be a savior, we try to influence them to look round the corner, to make sure they look at each building, to ensure that there is no one alone. So we try to influence those who are rescuing, who are indeed inspired, to then help the one in need. There was concern of a certain river that the bank is becoming weak. People of my world are trying to highlight this. And your world has responded. But we have said it will always become stronger before it gets better. Change is painful. Change is unnerving. But our commitment to you is that we will not abandon you. And if you wish to adopt that, don't abandon each other. 
It was once written, Be not afraid of the one that stills thy coat, but be afraid of the one that stills thy soul. Interpretate that in your own way, that someone may take your life, but will not take your eternal existence. Sandra, my dear, it may not allow you to sleep easier, but I say this to you, your thoughts are heard, but our thoughts can be received back to you before you go to your rest. So as you go to sleep and rest, send your prayers and give us the strength to have a greater hold in your world. That, my friends, will help spiritually, mentally, and of course, if you are influenced, it will be physically. One last reminder to go to wedontdie.com, click on radio shows, and see the pictures of Michael and my dad coming through Sonia Rinaldi's experiments. I'm Sandra Champlain. Thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.